0: Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristchurchJerusalem.org.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, welcome to Christchurch Jerusalem to our evening Bible Study. It's a delight to see everybody here, and it's great to welcome all of those of you who listen online and on the podcast. Um, You are part of our community, even though we don't even know who you are. We thank you for praying for us. We thank you for caring about the Word of God so much that you would join us in wrestling and studying and doing our best to become better disciples of our Lord and our Master. Now, we all believe that the Holy Spirit is present we believe that he's here in, in my house and he's here with everybody else who has gathered here today at exactly the same time. We acknowledge his presence, one of the ways we do so, through prayer. And uh, Brother Neville will pray us in.
2: Yes, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity set aside from the routine of the day to look at your word and to listen to explanations and understandings of it father we pray that beyond what we say lord that your holy spirit would enlighten and teach us in the things that we need to know and the things that are going to make a difference in our walk with you we ask these things in jesus name amen
1: amen Amen. okay so i've just uploaded the leviticus um, summary some of you received it i hope uh, earlier on today Okay, so this is a a rendition, a little summary of our study from last week, which we were talking about chapter 6. Chapter 6 continues the retelling of the instructions concerning the offerings, sacrifices, and the attendance of the eternal fire on the altar that sits before the tabernacle. Moses is commanded by the Lord to instruct Aaron and his descendants in the rituals why the Lord chooses not to communicate with Aaron directly concerning these things is unknown. It's interesting to note that Moses is the younger brother to Aaron, fitting the biblical pattern in which God chooses to minister to the younger brother and not the elder. Moses describes the appropriate handling of the holy things, including the preparation of the animal for grain, are the animal or grain for sacrifice, the eating and the disposal of leftovers, and the proper attire that is to be worn while doing it. From this reading, we raised a few questions for discussion. Do we understand the nature of holiness and ceremony? What truly is holy for us, if anything? And how do we relate to it? How do we approach a time of worship, and in what manner? And what sort of clothes should we wear? And what does God actually still care about? Does he actually still care about that sort of thing? During our thoughts on on appropriate clothing, we noted that when we go on a date, when we attend important work meetings or visit the Queen of England, we would wear appropriate clothing. So why not when attending church? In Jewish tradition, you cannot attend a synagogue in shorts which are seen as disrespectful when going to a place of worship. God takes clothing seriously and has done so since the Garden of Eden. Clothing reflects somewhat our internal emotional status, and so perhaps we should take heed of what we choose to wear when coming before the Lord. Moses then instructs Aaron concerning the eternal flame on the altar. Interestingly, the Hittites also had instructions for their priests regarding the fire on the altar. Their instructions were the opposite: to put the fire out at night so that it doesn't burn the temple down. God requires a perpetual slow-burning offering that is never extinguished. The initial fire on the altar is a heavenly flame, which appears in Leviticus 9:24. Something from heaven is therefore, by definition, very important. What spiritual lessons can we learn from priests attending fire from heaven? First, the fire is not permanent. It needs to be kept burning. There is a partnership in which heaven starts a project, in the case of the holy fire, but humans maintain the work in progress. God starts something, but we continue something. The Holy Spirit is poured out. Faith is a gift, but our responsibility is in working out our salvation and putting the gifts of the Spirit into practice. We are to be living sacrifices. That is, something that is perpetual and ongoing. Also to note that the fire was a slow burn. We are here to worship and serve the Lord in lifelong service, which might appear also slow at times. It doesn't always have to be immediate. In relation to the grain offering, Moses once again announces that holiness is transferable. Priests that touch and eat a holy thing become holy, and they cannot eat it in an unholy state. Subsequently, anyone touching the priest also becomes holy. In 2 Kings 13, we read that even the tomb of Elisha, the prophet, remained so holy for dead people buried in the tomb came back alive. The prophet Malachi reflects that the coming redeemer, the son of righteousness, will bear healing in his wings. And perhaps this influenced the woman with the issue of blood to simply want to touch the holy man. What does this say about our individualism, which is so espoused by our society and by some of our churches? If holiness is transferable, then we should always endeavour to remain in community, to promote, to give, and to receive holiness. Paul admonishes us not to forsake meeting together, as some have done already. And the didache, that is the teaching of the early church, required that everyone should seek the company of saints every day. Last point of interest in our discussion concerning the consumption of of the sin offering. The sin offering was for unintentional sin, but the question remains, why would you want to eat a sin offering that someone has imparted his or her sins on? So interestingly, it appears that the sin is not ingested. As Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth that's important. It's what comes out of it. The sin offering of the priest, though, was not to be eaten. And if we recall from chapter 5, the sin offering of the anointed priest, the Kohen HaMashiach, the anointed priest, his sin, his sin offering, covered the sins of the whole community and not just his own. Touching the sin offering would also make you holy. Noting that in Romans 3 and in 2 Corinthians 5 can read to say that Jesus is our sin offering, which takes away the sin of the world. So we understand the importance of remaining and abiding close with him and with his holiness. We're up to chapter 7. It's one of those chapters where on an initial surface reading, you think, oh, my gosh, it's just some more boring offerings. But as I read it, I'd like you to just listen, cast aside any preconceived ideas that we have about ritual, about, well, we've already heard this before, and and try and listen to some of the one or two sentences that just appear out of the middle of nowhere and have something that can speak to us as continuing disciples of the Messiah. So there's a series of offerings that we now go through. Guilt offering, peace offerings, um, wave offerings, things like that. All right, Leviticus chapter 7, and I'm reading from um, an ESV. This is the law of the guilt offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall also kill the guilt offering, and its blood shall be thrown against the sides of the altar. And all its fat shall be offered, the tail fat, the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, that the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. The priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering to the Lord. It's a guilt offering. Every male among the priests can eat of it it shall be eaten in a holy place it is most holy the guilt offering is just like the sin offering there is one law for them the priest who makes atonement with it shall have it and the priest who offers any man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering that he has offered, and every grain offering baked in the oven and all that is prepared on a pan or in a griddle shall belong to the priest who offers it, and every grain offering mixed with oil or dry shall be shared equally among all the sons of Aaron, and this is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with the thanksgiving sacrifice. Unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for the thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it, he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the pre- of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice. And on the next day, what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he will offer it. it, will not be accepted. Neither shall it be credited to him, for it is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear its iniquity. Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten, but it will be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh, but the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, while And uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast or any unclean detestable creature, and then eats some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offering, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, You shall eat no fat of an ox or a sheep or a goat. The fat of an animal that dies by itself and the fat of one that is torn by beasts may be put to any other use, but on no account shall you eat it. For every other person who eats of the fat of an animal of which the food offering may be made to the Lord should be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no blood, whatever of a fowl or of an animal or or in any of your dwelling places, whoever eats any blood, that person will also be cut off from his people. The Lord said to Moses, saying, speak to the people of Israel, saying, whoever offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings, the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands shall bring the Lord's food offerings. He shall bring the fat with the breasts, and the breast will be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of the peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, I have taken from the people of Israel out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings. And I've given them to Aaron, the priest and to his sons as a perpetual Uh, due from the people of Israel. This is the portion of Aaron and of his sons and of the Lord's food offerings from the day that they were presented to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel, that the day that he appointed them, anointed them, it is a perpetual due throughout their generation. And this is the law of the burnt offerings, of the grain offering and of the sin offering, of the guilt offering, of the ordination offering and of the peace offering. Which the Lord commanded Moses at Mount Sinai, on the day that He commanded the people of Israel to bring their offerings to the Lord, in the wilderness of Sinai. Wow. Thus says the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Quite a long passage. A lot of it seems to overlap. However, there's a few things that uh, stand out. So, based on an initial reading, is there anything there that jumps out at you
2: guys? Well, one question that arises: uh, How many is it? How easy is it to, to provide a list of the different sort of offerings? Or maybe you've done this earlier on in, in Leviticus. I mean, I counted about five or six different offerings in that chapter.
1: Yep. It's, it's it's one of those. This is one of those chapters which just lists, all almost them all. Yeah.
2: I mean, um, the one ones one that one I, one. I picked out were a sin offering, a guilt offering, a peace offering. A vow stroke, free will offering, than an ordination offering.
3: Yes, and some sort of wave offering, whatever that. Oh is. yeah, yeah, yeah. An elevation offering. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, an elevation
1: offering, whatever.
3: Yeah,
1: it's quite quite a few, and there seems to be all kinds of different things that some parts are, are for the priests and some parts are for not It all gets very complicated. Yet, for me, that yeah. something that jumps out is in all of these offerings. It says that the worshipper brings his offering to the Lord, but the Lord doesn't get it. Who gets it? The priest. Yeah. And you're like, well, hang on. You know, here I am, Lord. Uh, Here's this, you know, my sacrifice that I have raised in my home, I have carried it all the way to Jerusalem, I have, you know, worshipped the Lord, I have sung, I have listened to some of the prophets, uh, you know, uh, and I've now killed this animal. It's, you know, just absolutely devastated my three-year-old son. He's in, in, you know, complete trauma. And now I worship the Lord, and then some priest comes along and goes, oh, thanks very much, wanders off. And you think, what? Hey, thief, come back.
3: no no he's not a thief as a Kohen I have to defend them right now (laughs) (laughs) excellent go for it Okay. well we see we see something similar to this in the New Testament too in 1st Corinthians it says so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel so basically the Kohen got his living from the korban and God had given that to them,
1: yeah, yes, the laborer is worthy of his wages. The, the that's right. So Shimshon, yeah, the worker is worthy of his wages. God yes. has given his servants a certain thing, and it's very interesting that the worshipper needs to understand this when he comes. I am giving something to the Lord. I'm having a relationship with God. I am praying to Him. I am singing to Him, and yet the very thing that I am. Giving to God, close quote, immediately is actually taken by the priest. Now, when we come to church and those in in the modern modern day period, we give our tithes and our gifts to the Lord, do we not? We do, yeah. Yeah. We does do. he does he keep any of the money? We don't no. know. No, most likely not, because. God doesn't need but, but I'll tell you who does need the money, okay, the guy at the front in that funny clothing, right? He's yeah. you
0: know, uh, like,
1: well, uh, this helps me, you know, pay the electricity bill. And so there is, this, there is this thing of where you give to the Lord, yet the actual gift is dispersed to a human and actually covers the body of Christ, the body of the Messiah, here on earth, which is a very interesting mystical thing that that's that's um that goes on Yvonne
0: um no, in terms of a little bit more minutiae um usually you you think about you know the the sacrifices, the peace offerings the shalomim shalomim or whatever with the un, unleavened loaves but uh in this chapter you're he, you're you're supposed to offer with thanksgiving um, unleavened loaves as well as leavened loaves. Uh,
1: Yes, no. and, and this too. is one of those interesting dichotomies that you find in the text. We know that there are verses that say, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. We know that. I mean, oh, my gosh, just about every Christian will quote that verse and say, see, there's no temple, you all in trouble. Yet yeah. when you read the text, suddenly you realize if you're poor, you can give grain, which doesn't have blood, and it's going to count exactly the same weight. Equal, yeah. Interesting, yes. Interesting. Well, I've got two things tracking at exactly the same time. You're right. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. At exactly the same time, God's not silly. He knows exactly who can or who cannot afford or even can approach a temple and actually offer such a thing. And yet, and so here when you have in the temple, we think, oh, we must not have any leaven. The leaven is really bad, but at the same time, you know, leaven's not that bad. A nice big fat loaf of bread—that's actually quite tasty. You know, that's actually a blessing yeah, from heaven.
0: Yeah, in the Sabbath meal, right? It's the two loaves with the leaven. Sure. Yes,
1: yeah. it is. Adj- yeah, I'm the sure, but... the Kalah
3: has leaven, and um, even the one you give uh, in the in um, shavuot, it's yep. it's baked yeah. with leaven.
1: That's right. You're absolutely oh, right. And, and so often, yeah. all we think about in our Christian tradition is leaven equals sin, which is mm. actually yeah. not always true. No,
0: no, no yeah, no. And
1: sometimes yeah. that's part of the story, but sometimes it is not, and we have to be and very careful when, when when applying. Yeah that that um uh motif so um the the guilt offering which we discussed in um well the last couple of chapters is for um the the sort of you know the the sins of um uh lying and extortion and 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 that kind of uh, kind of stuff so he's he's actually handled this one quite before and he re- regurgitates the idea that it's got to be sacrificed at the same time as a burnt offering, which is a an olah, which is also offered by Gentiles prior to Jews. This sort of idea that you're ascending. We've, we've talked about this. There's levels of going of going up, getting closer to the Lord. Discusses um, uh, how you're supposed to handle the blood because predominantly a guilt offering was not was an animal. This is after you had actually made peace with the person you had offended by paying an extra 20% more. You had actually made right with your brother before you went to God, which is a really nice process, which we've also seen in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Then there's this discussion of fat, you know, which, which bits of the fat that, uh, that, that you're supposed to use. And, and, and previously in Chapter 5, no fat is to be consumed by humans. It all belongs to the Lord. He happens to like fat. Okay. <laughs> so that, so that, so that would tells have you that. Okay. God's a Texan. Yeah. Okay. He just thinks it's absolutely. No, no, my apologies it, to Lord
3: Also in chapter three, we see that the fat belongs to God in chapter mm-hmm. three, verse 17. Chapter three, 17. Okay. And I'm going to make, yeah. So chapter three, 17. The fat belongs
1: to uh, the Lord. Um, and the priest gets to burn them. Okay. And this is a food offering to the Lord. Again, always one of those interesting ways of, of trying to discuss, does God actually eat? Well, no. I mean, he does in, you know, sometimes when he visits Abraham and things like that. But does he actually physically eat? Well, not in the way we understand the word eating. Okay. Interestingly, verse 6 says, Every male among the priests shall eat of it. Is, an interesting...
0: is, there, is, there, is there any time where the skin is burnt? I know here it's given back to the uh, it's a, it's a, the, the, so the, and the priest who offers, he, he offers any the man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin, so he gives it back. And is it ever, ever burnt, the skin? Or it's always taken I, off? But here uh, it's interesting that it makes a little bit more detail on the skin.
3: Moti, I think it's all for the priest, isn't it? Yes, yes. The priest most likely Sold it. I don't know, to make some money from it. Yeah,
1: yeah I think that, that was part of his salary, was the priest yeah, yeah, yeah. gets the skin, he gets to be able to, to engage in the skin trade. Um,
0: uh, okay, interesting.
1: So, you know, rugs, mattresses, um, furniture, and clothing, or whatever, however you use your skin. Well, the,
3: the Talmud says that this the aroma and the smell of this korbanot and the offerings... Pleased God. So what do we mean by that? We mean that God saw that his children were keeping his commandments. So that's the thing. So God doesn't smell. God doesn't like the fat. You know, all these details. And the Talmud says it's pleased God. How did it please God? Because God saw the smoke and all the sacrifices that were happening at the Beit HaMikdash. And he was happy because the children of Israel were keeping the commandments.
1: Okay. So, it, there is God sees the action that is being done. Yes? Yep. 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 So, on other passages, God sees the heart, but he also sees actions.
3: Yep. Step by step. All the way Get to the yeah. So, in verse
1: 6. The priest, every male among the priests, uh, shall eat of it. Does that mean that there's female priests? <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: Anyone no, no, want to no. dive into that? No, no, because Sons of Aaron. So it does the it, others of Aaron, only the sons. Yeah.
1: Anybody else want to make a comment or do we just bypass it entirely? Maybe the priests were married, says Michelle, Mm -hmm. and that within the Kohanim there were females who helped their priests, uh, their husbands, uh, do their duties. Um, I remember when uh, I had a couple of, uh, here's Shimshon, a couple of African uh, Ugandan bishops at Christchurch, and we were getting robed in the vestry, and trying to put on our robes, and for those that have ever tried to put a robe on by yourself, it's just about impossible, okay? There are buttons and pins and things that all have to be connected, and when you're trying to put that together all by yourself, even when you stare in front of a mirror, it's impossible. And so here's this African bishop standing there with his wife, pinning him together, and he looked at me and he goes, Deacon, this is why our wives dress us. They dress us for ministry they are sending us out to the people this is a partnership you know i can't do this by myself um so there is this idea that um you know you're in this together husbands and wives in ministry it's not just something you do by yourself and for those of us all that are married we all know that we can't exist without our significant others okay um you know, uh yes, who's uh, got a hand up there? Liz, you've got a hand up. Yes in we my do. version it says any male in the priest's family. Yep. Okay. Interesting in the priest's family. Does anybody else have that as a translation? So it's interesting that that, that, that that's that that puts in. So um
0: Yeah, Yeah. and they're called to the work, right? But, I mean, so it wasn't Miriam called, right? It was Aaron, Moses. Like, the guys are called to do the work.
1: Right. Although women do have roles. So does anyone know what Miriam's role was in the wilderness? She had a very special role that nobody else could do,
0: water. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, she was the source of water. And uh, so she has this ability to be able to figure out where the water is and leads the people of Israel to water. And why do Jewish people think that way? Based on a verse which appears in Numbers where it says that um, Miriam died and the very next, and it's the, actually the same sentence, and there was no water. So they they link the two uh, together. So she was a prophet and she has this very special ability. But for some reason, there is this part of the guilt offering, and we may not even understand it all completely, but there was a a certain declension towards the the male of the species. That is not to say that the female of the species was any worse or less or downplayed or anything, but the male of the species amongst the priestly class could eat of this, this particular part of an offering.
2: Well, I think that that the previous point about the the males in the family, I mean, you couldn't be a priest until you're age 30. So there could be quite a large number of uh, males of of an age that would appreciate, you know, something of these uh, offerings. So I think that's probably the most straightforward way of understanding it. So those who aren't, those males who aren't priests also get to share.
3: Yeah, it probably probably um, we will see it in verse eight too. So yes,
1: so the the every male verse six among the priests can eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. There is this again. This an a, attachment of holiness to people, things, places, uh, words of God, etc. It is most holy. The guilt offering is just like the sin offering. There's one law for them. They they, 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 the way you uh, handle them is the same. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it.
3: All right, here's the Rashi and all other sages say that the parts of the offering that go to the Kohanim were dividing, divided among all who were at the temple and were eligible to perform the service. Not only those who actually did so, so all the Kohanim who were serving at the temple at that day got the portion from the offer. So not the not the guy who performed. I mean, he also got his portion too. But the Kohan had to be a pure uh, guy. He shouldn't be a an impure guy. For example, if his father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter, or wife died that day, of or if he was immersed in a mikveh, but is, if he was awaiting nightfall to become rid of his impurity, he couldn't take it. So he had to be at the service at that day. He had to be pure and eligible to perform the miracle. So a kohen could be at the temple, but if he wasn't eligible, then he wasn't able to get the portion. So, okay. But also,
1: th- there's, there's the aspect of it being shared amongst amongst everybody. So, equally, yeah, yeah, equally. So, somebody who's just shuffling wood from one side to another gets just as much value as yep. the guy who actually does all the hand raising yep. and the various press, but, but both have to be in a state of purity. It's also very interesting. Yep. Okay. Um, the priest makes atonement. Unpack okay. that sentence for me. Anyone? Okay.
0: Yeah, we talked about this earlier, right? We yeah, did. Sacrifice is actually the priest, so it reminds us of the Messiah being...
1: Yes, it does. We 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 sometimes we take so much stock in the animal or the grain and we begin to idolize the animal and the grain as though that is the thing that makes atonement. But the actual text said, no, 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 you don't get it. It's you first have to repent. You first have to go make right with your brother or sister, whoever you've offended. Then bring your offering to the Lord. And by the way, that isn't the thing that makes atonement for you. It's the priest. And so you end up with this, this idea that um, uh, that doesn't mean the sacrifice is not valid. Don't, don't, don't say that because it's all part of the same journey and story. But... Don't put too much emphasis on the animal because there's also a priest involved which is going to lead later to the ultimate eternal high priest, that who actually can make perpetual, eternal, absolute, continual atonement. Well, the priest who actually lives forever. But Leviticus already has it in its words, in its language, in the way it's describing, say, well, okay, the worshiper has come before the Lord. He has made right with his neighbor. He has desired to worship God. He has brought the appropriate thing, whether it's grain or an animal or whatever. He's worshiping the Lord. Then there is this Kohen, and this Kohen has done everything on his side. He has made sure that he's in a pure state. He's made sure that he is wearing the right clothing. He's made sure that his home life is, is, is right. He hasn't, you know, hasn't um, messed up uh, his side of the table. And there they are all before the Lord. And as they're doing part of their worship, he's able to turn around to this worshiper and say, it's okay. You're, you're atoned. I'm going to tell you that right now and the relief that, that might come to that young man or woman or whoever's, or family that's worshipping, and also the joy that's on the priest's side. He's just as excited to be able to say, hey, worshipper, I'm going to tell you, I've got a great news for you. I get to announce that you're okay. I'm going to get to announce that the Lord has, has, wants to have a great relationship with you that he wants to have the, the atonement. He wants to have the covering. And so there's, this, there's lots of joy that goes in with this. But it's, what we can't do is we can't just say, oh, I killed the cow. I'm all right with God. No, 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 no. It was never that way. There was a lot of intention. There was a lot of heart. And there was a lot of, of, uh, of priestly activity that also went involved in the whole process and so i think some of the detail that you find in leviticus is trying to also draw that out sometimes we get too concerned about oh animals and birds and you know bits of bits of humans and this that and the other all over the place but um it's uh it's it's really got to go back to the the current the the kernel and the source which is a a right relationship
3: well, uh, yeah. Yeshua said to his priests and his disciples that whatever you forgive, it will be forgiven. So we have yes. very, uh, I mean, we have the same thing in the Bid Khadasha and nowadays too. So nothing can change. So you need a priest still. Yeah. yeah. For those that, that go to liturgical churches, there is a part of the
1: service, which is just called the Announcement of Forgiveness. So it's not that the priest is standing up and going, I, oh, you know, by my divine power, whatever that is, you know, do this. Rather, he's trying to say, I'm going to tell you a great mystery, and it's actually my privilege to do so, and it's actually part of my function to, to, to do so. All
2: right. Aaron, one simple thing to point out on, on top of what you said about it, it's both the priest and the offering that are important. And significant, because when we look at Jesus, he is both the priest and the offering.
1: Yes. Well, very nice. He is the priest, and he is the offering. Yes. Very nice. So how how yeah how 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 deep in the entire mystery is the Messiah himself? Very nice. Okay. Gotta make sure I make the little note on that one. All right. Okay, guys, uh, going into verse 11, which is introducing the a different sacrifice, the sacrifice of the peace offering. Uh, verse 11, and this is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offerings uh, that one may offer to the Lord. On your translations, uh, what the, uh, is, it, is it in plural or is it in singular? Plural. Plural, in my view. Plural, yes, because it's it's plural. In Hebrew, it's also plural. It's the zevach shlamim, um, the peace offerings, the pieces. It's uh the in general offering of pieces. Yeah. So the there's one offering, but the offering has multiple levels of meaning. Okay, unpack that for me, guys. You bring one offering,
3: but there's multiple levels. Mordecai, got anything to say about the?
2: Peace
3: offerings. We have studied this in uh, chapter 3 too. Well, someone wishing to draw close to God by praising him for some reason can bring a peace offering. So called it because it promotes peace in world in general. And because it promotes peace between God and the owner of that offering too. So this is the peace offering. But the feast peace offering is a bit different. Because in a feast feast offering, in my translation, it says the feast peace offering. Is that the same in your Bible? Uh, no. Okay, so in my, it says the feast-piece feast offering. So in this case, the owner usually invites his friends and family to enjoy the meal with him. So That's why it's called the feast-piece feast offering. But in verse 12, if I may say something about it too, it's something different. It says the Thanksgiving offering. So please don't mix it between the American Thanksgiving and the Jewish Thanksgiving, so it's different. Here it says, basically, he brings a todah, Thanksgiving offering. For why? Well, there's an explanation here in my commentary. It says, one second, please. So if a person survived either a trip from a trip through the desert, a captivity in prison, Or an illness that caused him to be, you know, that's written for at least three days, and which he has now completely recovered, he is required to bring this todah offering. So it's special for those special reasons. Those for three special reasons. He brings a Thanksgiving offering. This is not a general, this is not Shulamim or something. This is a single thing, you know, for Mm -hmm. only four reasons. He brings the Toda, Thanksgiving offering.
1: So, is the is the peace offering or Thanksgiving offering an animal, or is it also a grain? It definitely
3: can be grain as a Thanksgiving offering. But if he's a poor guy, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Because God loves us equally, and He wants us to serve Him equally. If we don't, then He can bring. We have written that. So, the peace offerings
1: and the and the and the Thanksgiving offerings. Predominantly were the lower class offerings, that is the poorer ones, so that um because they're, they're not for sin. This is not this is not this is not that you know we've committed a sin, we now need to get a to go make a pancake. This is I wish to give thanks, or I wish to make a free will offering to the Lord.
3: Uh, yes, it, it is it, voluntarily, so it is a it's voluntary. voluntary,
1: yeah yeah and it's in plural because there's multiple ways there's peace between me and God, peace between me and the world and there was also this um rabbinic interpretation now when we say rabbinic, we have to understand r- rabbinic is late okay yeah. okay so rabbinic Judaism is a just like orthodox christianity these are late traditions from a, a common source and um so they would say when they read back, they would look at uh at these and go. And in some way, he was also making peace with the world. Yep. Okay. That and this- in some way, you could bring, even as a poor person, you could come before the Lord with your little cake and in some way make peace among the entire world. That God would look at your humble little thing and say, oh, yeah. You're right. I'm not going to destroy the world. There's too much love in this world. You know, I can't, I can't remove this. And, uh, and so this, uh, the, those, the sort of ideas that that one little ray of light still, still shining in the darkness is bright enough to chase the darkness away. Okay? That one little act of love is just enough to turn around against all the world's hate and say, you know, you can't beat me. There's enough. There's more love in this world than than anything else. And so there's this. There was this idea. It, it's it's a little late in terms of rabbinic, but it probably was also there in the beginning, that um, that there were multiple levels of of worship before the Lord, and the whole idea of the tabernacle and the mishkan wasn't just to be localized and centralized so that nobody else in the entire world knew what was going on, rather. There was meant to be a connection between earth and heaven at the tabernacle in the temple yeah heaven was meant to connect to the earth and it was meant to radiate out to the to the rest of the Lord was
3: never meant to be a hidden thing um, so well um, one may ask like since we don't have the temple anymore how can we do these peace offerings if you look at Matthew twenty I mean we can do it by helping the needy Yeshua Taught us that in Matthew 25 from 35 to 40, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger and you invited me and I needed clothes and you clothed me, I was sick, you look after me, I was in prison, you came to visit me, and everybody was shocked, you know. So, like, we didn't see you like you are a stranger, like, when did we see you sick, blah blah, blah. and the Messiah told them, Truly, truly, I say, you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So basically, we are promoting peace by helping the needy. There are many teachings in the rabbinic uh, books, as Reverend said, that charity brings peace between the rich and the poor and brings yep. peace to the world.
2: Yep.
0: And it's interesting as well yep. that this is only um, sacrifice. This is the only sac- this is the only one that laymen like this is only meat that the laymen are able to eat.
1: In the in the guilt offering, yes, but also with the peace offering and thanksgiving offering, while can also be flour and oil. There's a, there's the verses 14 and 15 describe what you do with the flesh parts. So for animals mm-hmm. that are also offered as peace offerings. Like if you're rich. If you're wealthy, then the the whole idea of coming to the Lord, you can't give something that's less than your budget. How do I describe that? Like if you're wealthy and you can afford, if you have a, an animal to offer and you turn around and decide, I think I'll just make a small pancake and give that to God, he'll be happy with that. Then God goes, hang on a second. Uh, I know you. <laughs> you you you're trying to trick me. You're trying to think that this, I know your heart, this, this is what's worshiping the Lord, but you've got that cow back on. No, that doesn't work that way. Um, you can't outgive God, but you can't undergive God either. And so forbidden what is, to do so. Yes. And what is what does Messiah say? Just let your let yes be yes and no be no. Just be honest. Mm. You know if you, if you honestly can't give, you can't give, but if you can give, then do so and uh, and, and let and just let that uh, roll. So if you've made a vow, go fulfill it If, uh, if you're going to be able to give um, a cow, give a cow, don't try and go down less. If you're going to give, all you can afford is a, is a cake, then that's okay too. In fact, if it's honestly from your heart, it'll be just as valuable as anything else.
2: And so, if you can only afford two small coins, it can make a massive impact.
1: It, it will continue to make an impact far beyond the life of that poor widow yep. and or her family. Yes. Yep. And, and so and that is and, that, and that's the thing. Your your the, your love resonates. So rich people who have given, that resonates. But poor people who have given. Resonates just as loud, and uh, and that's a good thing because they have both given what they what they could give, what they should have given,
2: yeah. and uh, yeah. and
1: we and we see that we see that in the Hebrew Bible and we see it in the New Testament yep. with our little heroes Ananias and Sapphira who yep. try and I'm trick God. To say that. yep. <laughs> yes, yep. yes, that's right. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, my, oh my gosh, and they're dead. Uh, what happened there? <laughs> don't, don't try and trick God like that. That's just you're 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 playing with fire when coming before the living God and trying to outsmart Him. That's just not not the right thing. Actually, much of Leviticus, if you if we if we read between the lines, shows the heart of a worshiper. Obviously, with a guilt offering, you got caught stealing. Okay, you got caught ext- extortioning. So cough up. All right, pay pay what you owe. Pay a bit extra. You know, make sure you're right. Come back to God, get right with Him too, because He doesn't want He doesn't really want to kick you out. He wants you part of part of the family. He made you, so you're valuable. Yeah. But then there's also these other bits: peace offerings, thanksgiving. Things happen in our lives where we go, "Oh, thanks be to God," and God's like, "Yeah, okay, that's it. but Just a thank you. I mean, I appreciate it. What else you got?" Okay, there's this. There is a, um, a show me your heart is a, uh, an expression. So there's different ways of, of worshipping uh, the Lord. And uh, each of them has a reward and a blessing and, uh, and, and, it, and quite an involved little way of what you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah, it's interesting also, Aaron, how if, when it's the peace offering, like the, the, it has to be consumed, whatever, the Thanksgiving, it has to be consumed on the same day. And if it's for a vow or a free will offering, it can be eaten on the day that he offers it. On the next day, what remains of it shall be eaten. I thought always it had to be eaten on the same day. So
1: I did, too, until I read this and went, oh, that was a bit of a surprise. And then it came to this third day, right, which is a very interesting thing. Where have I heard the third day before?
3: anyone uh, before or in the new testament so yeah
1: exactly yeah okay. so obviously there are these themes that that, throw, yeah. that that run from hebrew bible into the new testament day 3
3: yeah. is yeah. pretty from, special mm-hmm. from the psalm 16
1: psalm 16 yes what's it say there
3: i mean he said it says for you shall not forsake my soul to the grave you shall not allow your peers one to see the pit so he didn't allow it ah, for Yeshua. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed.
2: One of the earliest references to the third day is actually in the story of the binding of Isaac. The Lord speaks to Abraham and he sets off early the next morning and he looks up on the third day, day. and he sees the place and the Lord says, yes, it's here. Yeah. Um, and that, for me, that is a really profound insight that one of the things that's going on there is that the Lord wants to share with one person on earth what it feels like to lose his son for three days and still hold on to him. Very nice. Jonah, three days.
0: There's so many threes.
1: Yes, the threes show up. They're, oh. they're in Genesis and they're here in Leviticus, or in these of, in these weird little ways. And in this case, it's with a Thanksgiving peace offering. Okay, it's not for sin, right? It's a it's a part of that. Okay, and and there's also this idea of eating it in 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 states of holiness. There's this idea of holiness, which we've discussed so many times. We don't always understand ceremony or holiness based on our current traditions, although it does exist with the Lord. And uh, uh, if you eat something inappropriately, the, you know, uh, the verse, uh, verse 18 says, if any of the flesh at the sacrifice of his peace offering, remember, peace offering, it's not for sin. This is, this, is, this is not for There's no guilt here. This is I'm worshipping the Lord on multiple different levels of giving peace to myself, giving peace to my brother, giving peace with the world, giving peace with God. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice, so obviously we're talking about an animal here, uh, is eaten on the third day, not so good. He who offers it, it will not be accepted. Neither shall okay. it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who
3: eats of it bears his own iniquity. Mordecai? Basically, it becomes unclean on the third day. It begins to rot. You know what I mean? That's why it's because unclean. And besides of that, there was an order in the temple. Can I briefly read it? Yes. Here it says, this, this was the order. The blood service will be performed after the end of the current day. And the sacrificial parts will be placed on the altar after the beginning of the next morning then the meat of the offering will be eaten after it is a, a lot of time. Any of these tarts, I mean, basically these three things for this offering, for verse 18, had to be completed within three days. So after three days, it was over. It was already unclean. So had it's to interesting, wait for you have a three-day worship cycle. Yep.
1: Okay. Um, remember in... Uh... In with the story of Hannah and Samuel, while she's praying with Samuel, Elkanah and his wife Penina and his other wife Hannah go to Shiloh, and and they're there for several days, eating and drinking, and so there was a process, you know, it wasn't and 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 Hannah didn't partake of it. It wasn't just like we rationed out the food. Hannah didn't like it and she wandered off after ten minutes. It was a, a, a an involved thing. Um, worship took, took time. Um, sometimes in our communities, we don't like worship to go any longer than, you know, 45 minutes. Uh, any longer than that, we start looking at our watches and wondering what's on TV. Um, the, the, although in the in the when you stood before the Lord, there was this idea that, well, not the time doesn't, time's still relevant. But time is not the essence. You know, yes. There was this opportunity that you worship the Lord and it could take time.
3: Can I say one more thing about uh, when, like what happens when it becomes pigul, rejected, right? So if it becomes pigul, it must be burned, and anyone who eats pigul is liable to the serious penalty of kare. What does that mean? It's the spiritual exposition. As we read here, it will be cut off, my cut off from its people. How are we going to cut him out? Are we going to cut his head out? No. Sages say that he will either die young, he will either will be childless, or he will either, you know, not able to have a portion in the world to come. This is his penalty if he eats. It.
0: And
1: I and I wanted to to, to hang on to that thought that there was, that they took the idea of eating in a state of unholiness seriously, right? Because that, that, that does show up in the New Testament. Now, I know some of you probably will leap to the verse in a minute and I'll ask you which ones, but let's, let's read the next couple of verses. 19, flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten, okay? Because holiness can be transmitted at the same time so can unholiness right, leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, rotten apples aren't so good. It'll be burned up with fire. All who are clean can eat, but the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offering, remember it's the Lord's, this has been given to God, while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people, as Mordecai described. While his uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off. If anyone touches an unclean thing with the human uncleanliness or an unclean beast or any of the unclean detestable creatures and then eats flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offering, that person shall be cut off from his people. So there's this quite a strong message for eating inappropriately.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyone
1: can, can anyone think of a verse in the New Testament where a very similar idea is expressed? The, the
0: whole what- Examine yourself before you take of, of the bread and the wine. If not, okay. you, bring, you, bring, you bring diseases upon yourself now. Yeah? Yep. Uh,
2: 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, perhaps? Shall That's I read it?
1: That's the one? Do you read it? You got it there?
2: Yeah, I have. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, as you said there. Yeah.
1: Yep. And so that that's that that sort of idea harkens back to the altar of the Lord, that that God is holy. His the worship of him is holy. The things that are part of the worship of him are holy. And just touching the things that are holy makes you holy. But if you happen to be in his presence in an unworthy manner, then something else starts to happen, and so Paul is being very war- He tries to warn people that these are Corinthians, these are you know Gentiles. They kind of they may or may not know some of this background, he may have taught them. We're not, not 100% sure, we're not, we don't know exactly where the Corinthians were at in terms of their understanding of ceremony and holiness. But, but Paul's saying, Come on, when you're, when you're in the presence of the Lord. Then everything that we do has meaning, has value. Isn't just, um, uh, isn't just. In Hebrew, you say "stam." How do you describe it, Nama? Isn't just "stam." What's it? It's not just. I I can't think of an English translation. It's just. It's not just. Just. It's. It has value, and if you if you if you if you um, if you engage in something in in an unholy manner. And I can't even think of an example of what that would actually look like per se, other than to say that, um, let's just say, for example, you're in church, you're worshiping the Lord, but all you can think of is when you're going to get home, the great raucous affair you're going to have with your neighbor. And then you go up for communion. Ba-bong. Okay? Probably not the right thing. Okay? Or you've just engaged in a business deal and you know you're going to rip your boss off. Uh, it's church. Better go to church. Uh, here we are at communion. And I'm going to come to the Lord's, Lord's table. Hang on. Don't you think you should go back and fix your, your poor business deal? Don't you think you should go and actually make right with your, your boss with whom you're about to rip off? Um, these are the sort of, I'm just giving you examples of, of the unworthiness that uh paul says, paul says you know don't, don't try and trick god
0: in that it says for whoever eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. judgment on himself yeah so here
1: here that this oh, sort of he bears his own reasons. iniquity he gets cut off or as the rabbis will say he's gonna die young <laughs> well that's always a good one you know um god might not strike you dead right now but don't worry three years from now you're you're toast
0: yeah, because that's how many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have died. So it's, it's really very, very strong statements.
1: Yes, he's, yes. We, we, we probably may, I, I suspect, we, we might not appreciate holiness in the way we, we probably should. God is holy. We are a holy people. We should actually treat each other as such, which is also a very nice thought um, But we, we should actually honestly believe that. And put that also in, in into practice.
3: Aaron, okay. another as I have loved you, right? Yes, yes, indeed.
0: I have a question, Aaron. So, there's the peace offering in verse 11, yeah, and that can be consumed in the same day. But then I was just wondering, and on the the, the the following verse 16, it can be offered, it can be eaten on the second day, which is a vow offering or a free will offering. So, what would be the difference between that?
3: Yes, it was the order. So that's the difference. So they had to put this in an order, and that was the order they created. So.
0: No, I guess there's the, the, the peace offering, then there's a vow offering, and a free will. I was just wondering. Yep. Yeah. So just,
1: just, just as Mordecai says, it's an order. So when you come before the Lord, the animal, parts of the animal can be used for a peace offering. Parts of the animal are used for a vow offering. Parts of the animal are used for this, that, and and, and the other. They're not. It's a, It's but it's a process, which is also an interesting thing. The worship of God took time. Um, sometimes uh, we we want to get worship over and done with. Let me go to church. I will praise the Lord for two hours, two whole hours, two whole hours. I will stand before the Lord, but then I'm done. You know, then I'll go home, and i will the rest of rest of Sunday is all my day. You know, God can go back to heaven and ignore me, um, and that was never ever meant to be the way. It's the way it was. That we were meant to have a relationship 24/7. This whole uh, there was lots of long drawn out uh, worship, and I think that we should also embrace, and perhaps that also is is a little indication of the pray without ceasing, Sharon. This sort of idea of the perpetual 24-7 engagement uh, with with the Lord.
0: Amen, right. brother. Preach it. And our, whole <laughs> life, they order. and our whole life is worship, right? Everything we yeah. do when we're washing the dishes or standing as a preacher. Should be.
1: Yes, and it can be. It, it can be. Yes. Yeah. It's our
0: heart and our attitude and if we're allowing the Spirit of God to use us in yes. our home, doing a Bible study yes. on a Thursday now, afternoon with a friend. That's right. And it,
1: and it comes down to the heart attitude. So you can't just say, I'm washing the dishes. God must be happy with me. Because God will be going, what are you talking about? The dishes are dirty. Just clean them, you know. Don't, don't tell me, you know. But if you, you can do it in a certain way, which actually involves the worship of the Lord, uh, as opposed to just washing the dishes, God will be happy.
0: <sighs> Hitler washed the dishes,
1: okay? That doesn't mean that he's happy. <laughs> so.
0: No, not, not, your way, not in the way. But, I mean, in, your, in other words, you can be worshiping God while you're doing all the menial tasks. Of you can life. be, yes, totally, yeah.
1: So saying with your peace offering and thanksgiving is the before your vow and your free will, like the order of getting your heart in order. There you go. So Michelle's talking about the order, which is what Mordecai was talking about, is a order of get your heart right first, peace with the Lord, make your vow, okay, lips, and then what was some of the other ones? The free will offering. So once I've made peace, once I've made my vows, okay, now I can uh, gives them uh, a free will, which is just stam, which is just, it has nothing other than I'm going to worship the Lord.
0: I, okay. I'm, not,
1: I'm not demanding anything. I'm not vowing anything. I'm not attempting to do anything. I'm just simply giving God adoration purely for the sake of I want to. Okay? And uh, which is also also a sign of a relationship. Very nice. Andrew has a question there.
0: Uh, Aaron. Yeah.
1: Okay, oh, yes, in the chat. Thank you very much. So, um, Andrew from South Africa, are we supposed to understand the significance of the different sacrifices? Are they simply different gifts? So I hope that in that question, Andrew, Michelle may have also answered. There are levels of uh, part to do with heart, part to do with vows, the sort of idea that get, make sure your heart's right first. So, yeah, there, are, there is definitely a significance in the different gifts. We are reading the Holy Scriptures, and the Scriptures have given us different gifts. There must be different um, understandings to them already. Some of them are a little bit obvious, like obviously unintentional sins, intentional sins, peace offering have multiple levels of meaning, um, free will offerings, having no attachment to anything other than a direct uh, desire to worship the Lord. All of them involve the heart every single one of those offerings, and the heart has to be right first. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, continuing on, verse 22, the Lord says to Moses, speak to the children of Israel. Then we get into this whole idea of fat. Once again, fat belongs uh, to the Lord. And then there's this this, idea of um, animals that die on on their own, what you can and can't do with them and don't eat any blood, anything, okay, oh, my gosh, what's that got to do with anything? It seemed to be a pretty big deal for the Jewish people in terms of the way that they would be involved with diet and um, food and the behaviour within a community and food, so much so that by the time you get to the late Second Temple period, Jewish people and, and Gentiles who are interacting what is one of the big boundary issues which separates them?
3: The same issue.
1: Correct. What can and can you not eat together? And then when you get to Acts 15, and we've got to figure out a way how to get these Jews and Gentiles to worship the Lord together all we're gonna do is we're gonna make sure that Gentiles don't do four big things. And three of them have to do with food. Right? And this, this, and so it's a big we we often think we actually downplay food. Actually, no, we don't. In the modern world, we're so gluten intolerant, vegan friendly, and cows create, you know, um ozone layer depression and all that kind of stuff. Can't eat them anymore. Um that that, that that conversation's just, just gone off the deep end but in the ancient world food meant something
3: one second i'm just speaking with him let's see what he says all right he says please finish the meeting because his internet has okay thank you so much for joining us and see you on Wednesday we'll be continuing to study
2: David Chapter 7. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christ church visit christchurchjerusalem.org blessings from the city of the great king